Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be reading together verses 1 through 12 of Matthew 5. Uh, We uh, started this passage last time and uh, read through this section that is well known as the Beatitudes, the opening of the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus, the crowds around him, his disciples uh, gathered to him. And so last time we considered uh, the blessed life and we considered the, uh, the kingdom priorities of citizens of the kingdom. We're thinking about citizens of the kingdom. Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and uh, this opening part of the Sermon on the Mount describes those citizens, and tonight we want to think specifically, what are these blessings? We're called blessed. Uh, We are to have different priorities from the world as far as what we're pursuing, Uh, but then Jesus, of course, in this passage also gives great promises of, of the blessings that, in fact, are ours in Christ, and so that's what we want to consider tonight. So Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. Seeing the crowds, he, that's Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again for his help. Heavenly Father... Uh, As we have sung together, as we've come to your word, Lord, we together uh, pray and desire that uh, you would open up your word to us. Lord, we know that in many ways these are uh, well-known words to us, that we have read these words perhaps many times in our own uh, devotional time or in a service of worship, and yet, Lord, we know that uh, your word is, is rich and your word is deep, and that you always have more to Uh, to teach us. And Lord, sometimes passages of Scripture we've read many times we've never truly seen uh, for what you are saying to us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would graciously reveal yourself to us tonight by your Holy Spirit, taking this word and applying it to each one of us here, uh, that you may be glorified and for our good. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I wrote uh, one 16th century French reformer about this passage of Scripture in the Beatitudes. If ever folly existed in the eyes of men, it is in this gospel passage, said this reformer. In other words, if, uh, you know, if men in the world ever thought of what's foolishness, this would be the passage. How could, he says, the world comprehend that poverty can be wealth, or death, life, 
that war can be peace and sadness, joy. As St. Paul testifies, this world has nothing in common with Christ. Whenever did the world's sages and philosophers conceive of such happiness as divine wisdom reveals to us here? The teaching, he said, of this text belongs only to Christians in whose heart Jesus Christ, his cross, his truth, and word are truly planted. I think that's good. To the world, this beatitude passage of Jesus uh, seems like foolishness. In fact, this past week or two weeks ago or so, came across an article on online. Uh, I think I just Googled um, atheist view of the Sermon on the Mount or something like that. One of the first things that came up was just how, uh, uh, how ridiculous you know, this passage really is, you know, apart from, from Christ. And so that's what that reformer was saying, that uh, for the Christian, though, we're the only ones who understand what Jesus is saying. Well, we've been looking at uh, the citizens of the kingdom. Now, remember, these are not entrance requirements for the kingdom, uh, but what we're reading here in the Beatitudes is marks of those who belong to the kingdom. Jesus is not telling us in the Beatitudes uh, what we must do in order to enter the life of the kingdom. He's telling us uh, what kingdom citizens are by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Remember, the Bible says his disciples uh, came to him and he taught them. That is, his, the followers have come to him, are gathered around his, uh, his feet, as it were. And he is talking to them about what a kingdom disciple looks like. In other words, don't think about these beatitudes as a way into the kingdom of God. Uh, these are beatitudes describing who is in the kingdom of God. And who knows the king, who have faith in the king. They are those who have already responded to uh, Jesus' preaching about the gospel of the kingdom, his call to repentance, uh, and to belief in him. In other words, there's no kingdom life uh, without first seeing Jesus as our Lord and Savior and being his disciple. And as we come to him as his disciples, he tells us this is what citizenship in the kingdom looks like. And so... Uh, having considered the citizens of the kingdom and the truth last time that they are the blessed of God and that they have kingdom priorities that are the opposite priorities uh, of the world. Tonight we want to consider the, the kingdom blessings of kingdom citizens. And Now you may have noticed, of course, that those who are pronounced blessed by Jesus, we mentioned it last time, but it's worth pointing out again, those who are pronounced as blessed by Jesus in these verses are not considered the blessed of the world. That is, in this life, what is considered blessed, again, that word means highly uh, favored, what's considered blessed or to be sought after in our world is the opposite of what lies at the heart of the Christian. It's very important to understand right at the beginning here. The citizens of Christ's kingdom, we already told, are those who are poor in spirit, who know their weakness, that it's all of God. They mourn for their sin, they are meek, that is, of gentle spirit. They are pure in heart, that is, it is an unfeigned love for God. It's not hypocrisy. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're merciful. Uh, they're pure in heart, and they are peacemakers. And they also receive the persecution, reviling, and evil words of those around them as they pursue the path of righteousness. Uh, but that description of the priorities of kingdom citizens is not really the heart of the passage. 
The heart of the passage, of course, describes the actual uh, blessings which belong to these citizens. That is, uh, what is it that actually makes the citizens of the kingdom the favored of God? What are these blessings that God pours out upon those who have come to know the king? Well, that's the focus of this passage. And we find out there's all sorts of promises whose fulfillment are enjoyed by kingdom citizens now and for eternity. So there are seven uh, particular promises mentioned, uh, one being mentioned twice, once at the beginning of the passage uh, and once at the end. And that is uh, that the, uh, the possession of the kingdom of heaven stands at the beginning and the end of these kingdom blessings in verse 3, for the poor in spirit, and then, of course, in verse 10, uh, for those who are persecuted. So that, that kind of serves as our, our bookends as we think about the blessings of the kingdom. It starts and ends simply uh, with those who are uh, blessed with the possession now of the kingdom of heaven. And then everything in between, uh, Jesus explains as these blessings. So just two things tonight. First of all, uh, first of all <clears throat> there, there, um, this is an important point, that there is blessing in the Christian life. That's point one. Uh, There is blessing in the Christian life. Now, that may appear uh, painfully, perhaps even, or ridiculously evident. You may be thinking to yourself even, do we really financially support this pastor um, to give us such blatantly obvious truths that there is blessing in the Christian life? We noted last time that There are nine pronouncements of blessed from the lips of Jesus for kingdom citizens. So you would think, wouldn't you, that every Christian on the planet would in fact realize and live out of the truth of how blessed they are. That is, uh, if Matthew 5 is true... Every Christian believer should be, you'd think, walking around as a living testimony to this gospel truth that to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, those who are disciples of Jesus Christ the King and have faith in him, that they would be a living testimony to the truth that to be a kingdom citizen is to be overwhelmed with with blessing. Now, you know those kind of people who you see sometimes walking around um, you know, they, 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 they've got some good news to tell. And even as they walk around, uh, they've got this certain glow about them. You know, someone might come to worship and you see this, you know, kind of glow about them. It just looks, you know, some, they've got this uh, good, good news that's happened maybe during the week and they're just kind of bursting to share it with others. And you can kind of see it on their face. Something's, something's happened uh, in the week that has passed. So every Christian, uh, every Christian... Uh, is the receiver of a ninefold blessing and is ready to burst. You would think that would be the case. Uh huh. Well, <clears throat> do you see where this is going? Have you ever met an unhappy Christian? Have you ever been an unhappy Christian? Have you ever met a grumpy Christian? Have you ever met a cantankerous, cranky, Crusty. I don't know what that means, but crusty. Christian. Have you ever met a downtrodden 
discouraged and depressed Christian. Hmm. Have you ever met a Christian who looks like they've been sucking on a lemon for the last 10 years of their life? It's just miserable. And so the question is, what explains that? Blessed, 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 blessed are you. But for some Christians, their motto is discouraged, depressed, downtrodden, unhappy, miserable, unfulfilled, dissatisfied, sour, pitiable am I. There is blessing in the Christian life. Uh, The Apostle Paul, uh, in his uh, letter to the Ephesian church, you might remember, begins his letter this way in Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is, He is supremely blessed in Himself. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places belongs to the Christian. That is, every possible heavenly blessing is ours in Christ. So so if you're lacking, if I'm lacking a sense of being blessed as a Christian, what's missing is a sight of Christ uh, in all his glory, in all his wonder, in all his grace, all his love, and all his mercy. Remember, Jesus said, this is eternal life uh, in his high priestly prayer to the Father, to know you, God, the eternal God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's That's eternal life, to know God and to know Christ. Why? Because in Him, every spiritual blessing. So apart from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the so-called Christian life is a mere profession without the life. Friends, seeing Christ means knowing and seeing and experiencing and rejoicing in all that is ours in Christ. So remember now, as we read these Beatitudes, all these characteristics of the citizen of the kingdom are preeminently uh, characteristics of Jesus himself. And they become ours through our faith union with him. So that's the first thing we need to drill into our heads, the heads of our children, uh, members of the church, and unbelievers in the world, that the Christian life is the blessed life. And it's Satan who wants to convince you and your friends and your family and your children that to be a Christian means drudgery and dreariness uh, the Bible tells, it it is, uh, tells us it is the truly uh, blessed life. You know, the church wants to convince you that, you know, the last thing you want to do uh, is to come to worship the Lord. I mean, after all, what kind, of, uh, what kind of use of your time on a Sunday is it to come with God's people uh, to be in this place when you could be doing so many other things that are so much more worthy of your time and effort and energy? There's so much more blessing somewhere else. It says, no, the blessed life is the life in Christ and uh, only in Christ. So that's the first thing. But secondly, what are then these kingdom blessings? Well, let's spend our time tonight thinking on these things. Promise upon promise. So first of all, the poor in spirit. Again, those who uh, know they have nothing in themselves. All is from God. They've been humbled before God. Again, the Beatitudes is not a ladder to climb up into the kingdom of heaven. The first uh, description of the blessed person here is the person who recognizes they have nothing. 
in themselves. Absolute poverty of spirit, uh, completely dependent on the Lord. There, says Jesus, is the kingdom of heaven. Now, notice what the Bible says here. It does not say uh, theirs uh, will be the kingdom of heaven, uh, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven, as in now. Uh, the great promise of, to David back in 2 Samuel 7, you might remember, is that there would be, God would place a, a king on the throne, a descendant of David, uh, whose kingdom uh, would be forever. And so, in the Old Testament, uh, all God's people were, were looking forward to that day. Uh, when is this king going to come whose kingdom will never end? Everyone was looking forward to its fulfillment. And here Jesus says to those poor in spirit, his disciples, uh, yours is the kingdom. It, it belongs to you. It's a present reality. That means the rule and reign and realm of the king uh, is a present blessed reality to believers. You are in that kingdom. That kingdom, we'll le- read later, is in you. You're no longer in the darkness. You're in the kingdom of light. In other words, the kingdom of heaven, the rule and reign of King Jesus, is the air uh, you breathe as those who are poor in spirit. It's a reality for you. Jesus says, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Same promise, verse 10. Theirs is now, not will be. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Your reward is great in heaven. Great reward, not for your own works, but for the work of God in you. That's why the reward is great, uh, because it's all of His grace. Uh, God simply crowning His own gifts and all glory to Him. But notice what the Bible says. Yours is, as a citizen of the kingdom, yours is the kingdom of heaven, despite all appearances to the contrary. I think of uh, church history in this regard, and think of all the saints who've who've gone uh, before us, often in the context of persecution. And what is their testimony, not only in life, uh, but in death? Well, that theirs is the kingdom. So you have Polycarp, again, well-known, second century, before the emperor, bound, his life is at stake, said, deny Christ, Worship Caesar. Remember what he said? His, he references there, he says, no, I, I, how could I possibly do this? My king has not failed me for my six and 80 years. How could I betray him now? My king. See, for Polycarp, as he stands before, before, before Caesar in the, in the arena uh, to deny, no, no, he has a, he has a king already. And so I don't, I, no, I don't, I have a king already. And his kingdom is a reality for me. I think of Nicholas Ridley and Hugh Latimer, burned at the stake in England in the 16th century. Uh, and uh, Hugh Latimer said to Ridley something like this as they were about to be burned. Play the man, Mr. Ridley. We will today light such a fire in England, which will never be put out. Ours is the kingdom. 20th century, 21st century, martyrs for Christ in North Korea or China or India, wherever. Theirs is the kingdom, which simply means they belong to the king, and though his cause may seem to suffer, he is the rightful ruler, he reigns over all, and his kingdom will prevail, and I will be with him uh, forever. And so Jesus is saying this great promise to David uh, is fulfilled. The kingdom has come, it belongs to the disciples of Jesus, to those who know their poverty of spirit and are persecuted for righteousness 
sake. They know they have nothing in themselves, and Jesus says, you have all in me. Now, that's important because that means the kingdom for you as a believer and for me as a believer, uh, the reign of King Jesus uh, is a present reality that affects uh, how we live. And so notice what Paul says in Philippians 3, 17. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. So that's how Paul then you know, lived out this truth that his is the kingdom of heaven, that as he looks around him with people living with their minds set on earthly things, uh, that's, what, that's what the unbelieving world will do. But for you, Paul says, to fellow Christians, um, you remember that your citizenship is in heaven. You are already a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that is a reality for you as you live in this uh, world. So we know ultimate reality is Jesus rules, Jesus reigns, and one day every knee shall bow. See, this is a blessing for the Christian to know this. And it's why you and I can live and die well. This is why death has no sting for Christians. This is why Christians need not fear death or cancer or anything else. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the non-Christian who has not entered the kingdom who lives in fear of death because for them, this world is all there is. And they live in the kingdom of man. And they will face a just and holy God. But for the Christian, they belong to the king. They already entered his kingdom. When we close our eyes here for the last time, we open them in the presence of the king. That's, um, that's, uh, that's a blessed thing, says Jesus. Whereas is the kingdom of heaven. All the other blessings in this passage flow from, are surrounded by this overarching blessing of living in the kingdom. Those who mourn, mourn because of their own sin. They, said Jesus, uh, they shall be comforted. God is the father of mercies, we're told in the scripture. He's the God of all compassion who comforts us in all our troubles, says Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. A citizen of the kingdom is someone who uh, knows the comfort of the God of compassion, uh, the Father of all mercy, so that as they live in this world, they are able to bring comfort to others. So our mourning for sin is not purposeless. We are comforted by the Savior. We're comforted how? Well, by His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension. Uh, and his coming again. You say, well, I, I, you know, I mourn over my sin. Well, he comforts you because he died uh, for your sin. Well, you, you mourn as you anticipate death. Well, you're comforted because you know that he is the first fruits of the resurrection and you will rise again. And you're, you're, and you're stressed and you're, you're mourning about the world of sin in which you live. And you're, you're comforted because you know uh, the Lord Jesus is returning. And, uh, and, and all that is sinful is going to be cleansed and purged 
And there'll be a new heavens and a new earth where only righteousness dwells. And, but it's comfort for the Christian from beginning, uh, middle to end in Christ. Comforted by the truth that he rules and reigns and has forever defeated sin and Satan and death himself. Where the forgiven, cleansed, justified, adopted, and sanctified in him people. At one time in his ministry, Jesus quotes uh, from the prophet Isaiah, these words from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. This, says Jesus, is is his ministry. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, says Jesus, for they shall inherit the earth. This is another blessing for the kingdom citizen, for those who are gentle of spirit, those who endure affliction with a humble heart. Remember, not the weak, uh, but the meek, those who are humbled before the Lord. Jesus says they inherit the earth. Not Israel. You don't inherit Israel. You don't inherit Canaan. You don't inherit the United States uh, or Europe or Asia. Uh, The meek citizens of the kingdom uh, inherit the earth. That is, the citizens of the kingdom are already seated with Christ, as Paul says, in heavenly places, and the new heavens and the earth uh, belong uh, to them. A new world of righteousness. The meek inherit the earth, you see. There are no passports needed in the kingdom. You will never be an immigrant in the kingdom. You know, trying to get into this part of that. You'll never be stopped at the border somewhere in the kingdom and say, uh, you're refused entry here. Um, Here we can be citizens of one country, maybe two or three. Uh, But what if you could be a world citizen? As much at home uh, in the United States as in Britain, as much as home in, in the United States or as in uh, China uh, or in Australia, right? No, uh, no border, the earth, your home. Remember what Paul said to the church in Corinth, so let no one boast in men. For all things, Paul says to the church, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, uh, or he says, or the world, or life, or death or the present, or the future, all Paul says uh, to the church are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So Christ will come, and he reigns over the new heavens and the new earth, but as we're united to him, we will reign with him. We inherit the earth, that is, all the earth will belong to God, all will be evidently belonging to God, it will be the home of righteousness, but it will be our home as we reign but the Savior inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, says Jesus. Oh, this is a good one. (laughs) Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they, says Jesus, they shall be satisfied. That is, they shall be uh, filled. Or they shall be content. Um. David speaks of this in Psalm 16 to the Lord. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence uh, is fullness 
of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In other words, in your presence, says David, is not a little bit of joy. It's not like a half, uh, half full cup or something like that. In the presence of the Lord uh, is fullness of joy, completeness of joy. Psalm 34, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Those who seek the Lord, listen to what the psalmist says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, filled, content, lacking no good thing. When this is what you hunger and thirst for. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, if you uh, take delight in the Lord, if that is your passion, you're hungering and thirsting for the Lord and His righteousness, oh, the Lord will give you that. He will satisfy. Psalm 90.14, the psalmist prays, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. When I wake up, says the psalmist, Lord, when I wake up, May I be filled and content and satisfied with your faithful love for me. So that as I go through this day, I, I will I'll know I lack no good thing because I am satisfied and filled and content knowing that I am the recipient of the steadfast love of God in Jesus Christ. Psalm 91, one more, when he calls to me. I will answer him, says the Lord. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him and honor him. Uh, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So here's the promise for the citizen of the kingdom. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness have this, uh, are satisfied. They are content. They are filled with the Lord. Now, of course, the problem is, uh, is what Isaiah describes in Isaiah 55, which we read this morning where the prophet says to the professing people of God now, not to the unbelieving world, but to those who gathered for worship, he said, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Uh, and, and your labor, why do you work so hard, spend late nights up, get up early, uh, for that which does not satisfy? Why do you do that? Listen, says the prophet, listen diligently to me, eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. And then he goes on to describe how we're to seek the Lord, right? And we find in him forgiveness and abundant pardon. Money and labor, time and energy in the pursuit of that which will never satisfy. Why do we do that? And the Bible says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness as disciples of the king, they will be satisfied. There will be contentment. They will be filled, lacking no good thing. Judas Priest is a heavy metal band which began back in 1969. And believe it or not, uh, they are still touring even today. Uh, I just saw an advertisement this past week that they're still on tour this fall. Back in 1974, they released a song called Never Satisfied. That sums up what Isaiah was speaking of and sums up our culture today. Listen to these words from 1974. And now they're 50 years on probably still singing this song. Where do we go from here? There must be something near. Changing you, changing me forever. Places change. Faces change. Life is so very strange. Changing time, changing rhyme together. 
There's nowhere else to go. This could be our last show, 1974. No, they're still singing. Changing dreams, changing schemes, never. We are never satisfied. Love is gone, along with fun. Uh, And then they wrote this, now we're reaching for the gun. What exactly does that mean? Changing cast, changing fast. No more tether, they wrote. We are never satisfied. Now reaching for the gun? I don't know. Were they talking about shooting somebody else? Were they talking about shooting themselves? What happens when there's a sense there's, you're always searching, always longing, but there will never be satisfaction as the Rolling Stones put it. While Jesus says, this is the blessing of the Christian. Satisfaction, contentment, fulfilled because you are a disciple of the king who's given you this hunger and thirst for righteousness. The merciful, says Jesus, shall receive mercy. Here's another blessing that only the Christian knows. Mercy uh, is the manager forgiving the huge debt of the servant who couldn't pay. Could have had him thrown in prison. He had mercy. He didn't give him what he deserved. Mercy, you'll remember, is Joseph uh, not punishing his brothers for all they did to him when he had risen to the top of Egypt. Oh, he could have destroyed them. But he had mercy. Mercy is God uh, sending Jonah to Nineveh. And mercy is God when they repented of their sin, saying, I'm not going to destroy this city. Mercy is the father of the prodigal son, uh, welcoming back his son rather than turning the other way when he came down the lane, turning his back on him. No. Mercy is Jesus praying at the cross uh, of those crucifying him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Mercy is what we all need for what we deserve is death, the Bible says. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We were dead, Ephesians 2 says, but God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Citizens of the kingdom, says Jesus, receive mercy. They receive mercy at the beginning, they receive mercy in the middle, and they receive mercy at the end. You are, and I am, in Christ as a citizen of the kingdom, a mercy uh, receiver. That is why citizens of the kingdom are merciful. Because they know that they themselves receive the mercy of God. That's important. You know, that that means, of course, there's no citizen of the kingdom who enters the kingdom getting what they deserve. Right? By definition, says Jesus, a citizen of the kingdom is someone who receives mercy. No one is in the kingdom uh, who can say, I deserve to be here. I've earned my spot. Um, you know, we've made the cut. We've done something to deserve heaven, to deserve God's love. No, says Jesus, citizens of the kingdom receive mercy, and we can be thankful to God. It is so. In men's study yesterday, we were looking at Romans 12, verse 1, which talks about how we are to present our bodies uh, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. You know how that verse begins? It says, in view of God's mercy... I urge you, says Paul, in view of God's mercy, to present yourselves uh, as a, a, a living sacrifice to the Lord, spiritual sacrifices. This is your act of worship in view 
of God's mercy. Oh, that's so important. That means that nobody here tonight is going to live for the Lord unless they understand God's mercy. Oh, you might pretend to live for the Lord, but you won't want to live for the Lord. You won't have a desire to live for the Lord unless you've seen something of his mercy. Because it's only in view of God's mercy, the Bible says, that we present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. Lord, all. It's only when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died that I realize that he demands my soul, my life, and my all. And because I'm surveying the wondrous cross, because I see his mercy, oh boy, that is, that is no price to pay. It, it is my willing, my willing response, you see, to the mercy of God. It's all of mercy. Well, uh, the, the promises, the blessings, they go on. Uh, they go on. We shall see God. We shall be called sons of God. You remember that John says, uh, you know, what kind of love is this that we should be called the children of God? And so there's, there's all sorts of blessings here described by Jesus. But notice how Jesus, now, now these are all blessings for citizens of the kingdom, those who are disciples of the king. Uh, and notice how, how Jesus ends these beatitudes. Blessed are you, verse 11, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets uh, who were before you. You may not have noticed this, but there's only one command in all the Beatitudes. It is not a command to be poor in spirit. It's a description of the poor in spirit. It's not a command to mourn. It's not a command to be persecuted. It's not a command to be pure in heart. Um, these are all descriptions of citizens of the kingdom, but there is a command in the Beatitudes, and it comes at the end. After you've heard uh, all the blessings, do you know what the command is? Verse 12, rejoice uh, and be glad. Uh, it, it could be translated like this. It's a, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's deeper. Someone translate it this way. Leap forth. Uh, with unrestrained, exuberant gladness, or uh, be tremendously, exceedingly glad, or uh, keep on uh, leaping for ecstasy, as somebody translates it. It's found elsewhere in the Bible. You might remember David, uh, overjoyed, he uh, danced before the Lord and the ark. He was filled with gladness. Uh, The jailer, the Philippian jailer who comes to faith, And uh, Paul and Silas come into his home, and he welcomes them, and the Bible says he was exceedingly glad. Um, It's used of Abraham in John 8, 56. The Bible says Abraham uh, saw Jesus' day, and he was exceedingly glad. It's used in Revelation 19, 7, of the wedding supper of the Lamb, when all things are consummated in the return of Christ, and he gathers his people. At this great feast, we're told. And they were exceedingly uh, glad. You, says Jesus, you're part of the family. You're part of the family. And so when people speak falsely against you on my account, rejoice and be glad. They persecuted the prophets who were, who were before you. 
Uh, your brothers, the prophets, were treated the same way. Whether it's Isaiah or Jeremiah or Amos or Ezekiel or, or Moses. And uh, the thing is, like Paul, in comparison to knowing Christ, Jesus would have us know as the blessed people of God that whatever uh, we might experience today, I consider, said Paul, Romans 8.18, that the sufferings of this present time, they are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So, blessed, 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 rejoice, says Jesus, and be glad. As you, uh, as you are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, yours is the kingdom, despite all appearances, maybe, to the contrary, and whatever suffering or persecution you might experience now, it is nothing to be compared uh, with what is coming. Because you, as God's people, with Jesus will reign forever in the new heavens and the new earth. Friends, this is uh, the description of the blessings of the kingdom citizen. So I guess as you come to the end of the Beatitudes, uh, you have to ask yourself the question that if these are the blessings of citizens of the kingdom, this is their priorities, this is what they experience, uh, this is how they are rejoicing because they belong to the king, uh, is this you? Is this your, is this your experience of being a Christian? That you understand that a citizen of the kingdom, uh, someone who believes in Jesus Christ, a disciple who comes to Jesus to learn from him, hers, here's these pronouncements of blessing. Is this your Christian experience? That you rejoice and you are exceedingly glad because you belong to the family of God. Well, if you've heard the gospel of the kingdom, if you've repented and believed the gospel, if you have bowed the knee to the king, uh, if so, you know here in the Beatitudes, this is not your bill of rights, uh, but it is your charter of, of blessings for all those who belong to the king. And there is only one kingdom and one king whose reign and rule and realm will never come to an end. For the Bible says he will reign forever. Is that true for you? Uh, this is the blessed life, comfort in Christ, heirs of the earth, sons of God, seeing God for who he is in all his glory, receiving mercy. This is what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. May that be us for his glory and our good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these beatitudes, these words of the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we know... Oh, we need to read them again and again. Uh, we need to hear them again and again. We need to meditate on them, and we need to pray that, that your Holy Spirit would take these truths and uh, sink them deep uh, into the foundations of our life, of our heart and mind and thinking, not just on a Sunday night, that when we wake up tomorrow morning, Lord, that with the psalmist we would pray, O oh Lord, satisfy us today, a new day, a new week. May we be satisfied with your steadfast love for us, uh, that we belong to King Jesus. We are citizens of his kingdom with our minds set on heavenly things. 
So that as we go about our service and ministry and loving and living in this world, we would hold this world loosely, but that we would grasp on tight to those things that you have promised us as those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would hold that out to the world around us. All these blessings that our world knows nothing of apart from Jesus. Help us, Lord, to bring him to them that they might come and worship him with us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.